Hello, I'm Alex Bellinger, and this is Small Biz Pod on Thursday, the 28th of July. Coming up in today's show, we've got a great interview with Philip Crowshaw, who is not only a business trainer and consultant, but uh, the brains behind Experts Online TV. We'll be taking a look at the anatomy of successful entrepreneurship with uh, Phil, who has gained a great deal of experience both working for successful entrepreneurs and interviewing them. We've also got quite a few comments to talk through uh, with you all this week and the usual roundup of news, views and opinion from the world of small business and enterprise. But first let me say a big thank you to all of the new listeners out there and all of those of you who've been sticking with me since the early days. So uh, thank you very much, all of you. And thank you too for all your great feedback. I get a tremendous amount of um, positive feedback and ideas through some of the major business forums like uh, You Can Get It .co.uk or the Shell Livewire forum uh, on the net. There's a, a great crowd of people there who are uh, urging me on and encouraging me on a weekly basis. So thank you all uh, there for your support. Too many to name individually, I think, at the moment. But um, great to have you uh, on my side, so to speak. Small Biz Pod really does thrive on comments and input from listeners. So uh, do keep your comments com- coming. You can comment on the Small Biz Pod blog in the comment sections, or you can email me at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. Now, I've had some great comments this week. Um, first of all, um, a piece of constructive criticism uh, and very valid criticism from uh, Des Daniels. So I owe Des a, a big apology. Um, Des, you'll remember, was the guy who commented in the last show about the budget telephone operator 18866. Now, uh, if I get something wrong, I just hold my hands up and simply say that I was wrong, um, and in this case, definitely wrong to infer that perhaps Des was in some way linked to the company concerned, because he certainly isn't. Uh, Des posted a, a very detailed comment on the comment section for last week's show, uh, which outlined his shock and concerns and his criticism really is absolutely valid. So uh, if you're interested, do take a look at the comments and my apology, which follows on there. Um, since then, Des and I have had a, an exchange of emails, and I'm pleased to say he now holds no hard feelings, which is, uh, all things considered, very gracious of him. I think what took me aback and led me to ra- to a rather cynical position was Des's sheer evangelical enthusiasm. Uh, for 18866. Um, He emailed me and then followed up with a a phone call to say how great it was. Uh, But actually, I think this incident raises a couple of interesting issues. Uh, Firstly, how careful podcasters and bloggers need to be in making sure that their own editorial standards are kept high. You have to do a bit of self-editorialising, which isn't always easy. But nevertheless, I think uh, we all have a responsibility there. Um, Secondly, I think Des is a a really perfect example of an evangelical customer. I know small businesses have long understood the power of word of mouth, but I guess what's interesting is how businesses such as 18866 or Skype are harnessing the power of word of mouth on a truly epic and in some cases global scale. 
using the internet to reach hundreds, thousands, perhaps even millions of potential customers. I think it says a lot about where, uh, for certain types of businesses, advertising now is. I don't think advertising is any longer necessarily the best option for businesses wanting to reach a mass audience. Now, I've had some other comments as well this week. Uh, first from Scott Gavin at Ergonomic IT, who says, well, well done for being featured in the Guardian's online section today, Alex. I've just seen it and had to drop you a line to say congrats. Uh, well, thanks a lot, Scott. Um, the Guardian, which is one of the UK's leading national newspapers, which also has a, a widely read uh, online edition, which perhaps those outside the UK will be familiar with, um, ran a piece on UK podcasting, uh, featured me and also uh, Simon Toon, who does the excellent uh, Slam Idol, which is a, a podcast for uh, performance poetry, and also mentioned Podcast Paul and the up-and-coming podcast conference in the UK on the 17th of September. All in all, a, a really great piece, and I think uh, pleased to say that uh, mine and other people's PR skills are obviously... Uh, still up to scratch so uh, it was really an enjoyable piece in the guardian to uh, read i think it's probably still in the online section there if any of you want to take a look probably put a link in the show notes now i had other comments too uh, one in particular from tracy heatley who you'll remember was a female entrepreneur that i interviewed in the last show um, really interesting. She sent me an email saying, recently I've been approached by a training company about doing some training seminars for small business owners. After listening to the interviews on Small Biz Pod, I think I'd quite like to do the seminars specifically for female entrepreneurs. So it's really given me food for thought. Now, Tracy, very many thanks for that. That kind of feedback really is uh, valuable uh, and important to me here at Small Biz Pod. Um, interesting as well to see that uh, a show on a particular topic can genuinely help somebody uh, reevaluate or, or inspire them to take a particular approach in terms of their business. So Tracy, thank you very much for that and good luck with the seminars. Now one final comment also left on the Small Biz Pod uh, comments section on the blog for show number 12 from um, Sam Sethi, uh, who says, Great show. I'm now a subscriber. Can you help me with two things? Uh, one, when and where does the UK podcast show take place and who is organizing it? And two, what kit did you use to record your podcasts? I do not have a radio production background. Is yours a portable podcast mic and mixer or a studio? Uh, well, as many of you know, I, I, it's not really a studio. It's kind of a little home studio and uh, it seems to work very well. Uh, and uh, I fed back some, some tips to Sam on uh, how to set up a podcast. In terms of uh, PodcastCon UK 2005, just a quick reminder, it will take place on Saturday the 17th of September at the Berners Hotel in London. Uh, it should be a fantastic event. Um, lots of podcasters, podcast listeners there, business people, marketing people, uh, people from Virgin Radio and the BBC, uh, some journalists coming along too. So it, it should be a really good event. So I'd encourage you all, if you're at all interested and you're around London or able to get to London on the 17th, to go to the Britcaster.com site and look on the wiki there uh, to sign yourself up under the podcast section, PodcastCon UK section. Uh, and uh, be very, very happy indeed to see you, to see you there. It'd be great.
Britcaster.com. The cream of British podcasting. You don't drink milkshakes, I assure you. Now I thought we'd take on some of the news items of the week before we go into an interview with Philip Croshaw. Uh, first, BT Business has uh, released some statistics on the growing problem of mis-selling over the phone to businesses. Uh, apparently, uh, BT receives 1,800 reports from its customers of alleged mis-selling by competitors each month. Uh, more than three quarters of SMEs say that they've been on the receiving end of mis-selling, and two thirds of those believe they've been missold telephone services. Rather strangely, I'm not quite sure how that works, but 82% think it's a, a growing problem for their business. And it certainly is irritating. I've received a number of those sort of pre-recorded sales calls selling various items uh, in the UK, but through some kind of pre-recorded American message, that can be very irritating and a bit of a time waster. Uh, you also frequently see people talking about the the calls that you get where there's an instant hang-up as soon as you pick up the phone. Not quite sure what that's about either, but it is a, a, an irritating and frustrating problem. Not sure quite what we can do about it, but there, there definitely ought to be some guidelines both for uh, businesses themselves and for the rights of business customers so that uh, this problem can be eradicated. Now, an interesting event is happening in the east of England. Uh, the East of England Development Agency is putting on the Destination Growth Seminar. And uh, believe it or not, Gordon Ramsay, the UK's celebrity chef who is known for his, uh, his swear words, but incredibly motivational uh, guy indeed. Uh, if anyone's seen him on TV, uh, he clearly knows how to manage a team and get the most out of people. Uh, well, he'll be attending, as will Edward Bono, who is one of the world's leading thinkers on business and a number of other high-profile uh, guest speakers. So uh, Rachel Bridge, I think, from who's the Enterprise Editor of the Sunday Times, it really is quite a, a stunning programme that's been put together. So anyone in the east of England, if you are interested in attending, uh, I'll leave some uh, details of the event uh, on the Small Biz Pod blog. Looks like it could be a really good one and quite a, a, a different type of business event. So definitely one worth looking into and uh, wish, we, wish we had more of them. Now, um, we also have the latest report from uh, the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors who put out a, a report uh, quarterly on the commercial property situation. Now, it appears that a, the cooling economic climate has uh, had a, a negative impact on the commercial property industry, and I think the RICS is reporting that there has been a slowdown uh, for the first time in a, in a little while in demand uh, and supply of uh, commercial property. Uh, the office market, however, uh, which has suffered more recently, uh, appears to be back on track and is, is moving ahead. Uh, but obviously the high-ish interest rates um, and uh, slowdown in consumer spending over the last 18 months or so is, is con beginning to have an impact on uh, lower demand, particularly for retail property. So uh, potentially a, an indicator of the, the difficulties that the UK economy may be facing over the next few months 
Although, having said that, the, the latest reports I've seen suggest that the Bank of England Monetary Committee will look at um, lowering interest rates, perhaps, at their next um, committee meeting. So, we'll see. There may be a, a ray of light there, and be interesting to see how that impacts the commercial property market in the coming weeks and months. Now, um, an additional uh, sort of newsy item, uh, but also a, really a piece of information for you. I thought it would be quite useful to highlight each week or every other week a business blog that I enjoy reading and which contains some useful uh, hints and tips uh, and interesting articles. Now, the blog I've chosen to start with is absolutely superb for those who are looking to get some tips on their online business and how to promote it. Uh, it's called Entrepreneur's Journey, and it's by an Australian guy who I think is living in the States. I, I may be wrong. It could be, it could be in Australia, um, called uh, Yarrow Starak. Now, Yarrow's site contains a, a wealth of information primarily around how to get the, the most from search engine optimization, how to use thing, promotional tools and, and, and revenue generating tools like Google's AdSense. So well worth taking a look at. Um, Yarrow also does a, a really good podcast too, so check that out. Uh, it's a, a good listen, not incredibly frequent, but uh, when he does pull one together, uh, always makes interesting listening. So uh, his blog is www.entrepreneurs-journey.com and I will leave uh, a link in the show notes. Okay, so I think we all uh, would like to know the anatomy of a successful entrepreneur. What makes uh, the Richard Bransons, the Anita Roddicks of this world tick? What makes them stand out? How can we emulate them? And what are the traits that we can um, develop either in training or that we need to uh, bring out of ourselves um, in order to reach that level of entrepreneurial success? Well, um, one man who was fascinated by this subject is uh, Philip Croshaw, who, who is a, a, a trainer and consultant, but also runs um, Experts Online TV, more of which later. Um, he, a couple of years ago, um, set out to research uh, the secrets of uh, success, um, particularly of successful entrepreneurs. And I'm very pleased to have Philip on the show today to give us some insight into what he found. Philip, hello. Hello there. Okay, so um, uh, tell us a little bit about you first. What's, what's your background, um, Phil, and um, when did you, you decide to, to, to branch out on your own as a, uh, and run, run your own business? Well, my background is very corporate, actually. Um, in the early 90s, I headed up communications for Thomas Cook. And in those days, uh, I was also a, quite a big fan of personal development. I was uh, one of these people who was very ambitious and keen to get on and always keen to get to the next promotion. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, I would go on uh, seminars and, and listen to tapes, specifically from a company called uh, CareerTrack, who at that time were North America's largest training company. Mm -hmm. And an opportunity actually came up for me to go and head up sales uh, for that organization in the UK and Europe which I some subsequently did. So I went really from a, an operational role in terms of looking after communications into the, uh, the hard area of sales yep. uh, and marketing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then after uh, about a year there, I, I decided that I'd do a, a really big kind of wacky thing and give up a good paid job to travel the world for a year. I <laughs> uh, read one of those books um, yeah. by Chris Turner called Born to Succeed. Yeah. And he suggested that if you really want to widen your, your, uh, your understanding of the world, then go around it. Yeah. So um, suddenly I found myself with a backpack on my back and, and set off around the world to, to find out how it ticked. And that was just a, obviously a fantastic experience, learnt an awful lot, and in effect really was able to read all those books that we all plan to read but never do because we don't really have the time. Sounds like a great opportunity. It was absolutely marvellous, and I think what was interesting about it was not just what you see in terms of the the beauty of the world at large, because yeah. of the dolphins playing in the sea, yeah. but also what was fascinating was the psychological things that happened to you. Mm. You know, the, the kind of things where you can be actually sat on a beach in the most beautiful part of the world in Hawaii and still feel a bit depressed and still be wish maybe you were back at home with a few of the lads in the pub having a pint. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that yeah. was quite a strange, and there's almost a guilt trip occurs at that point because you kind of feel guilty that you've got this, you're so fortunate to be in this beautiful part of the world that people would die for. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but psychologically, you still feel uh, a bit down or a bit depressed, and that was quite fascinating in terms of that. And I'm sure many of your listeners who've done it will, will know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and then I came back uh, thinking that, will I ever work again? What will people think? In fact, I give up a good job, and I'm, I'm now traveling around the world, I've traveled around the world. But it was exactly the opposite. And when I went for interviews and I came back, um, most of the people that interviewed me were more interested in my travels and they were in my background <laughs> career yeah i um, think that kind of experience is just invaluable for for building a rounded human being who's going to contribute to an organization whether that's a whether that's a you know a large corporate or or in terms of setting up and running your own business well that was very very true and, and obviously if you think about all the different skills that you need in order to um, get yourself around the world in a year and come back uh, uh, with all your bits intact um, a lot of it is all those areas. You know, you've, you've got to be, you've got to be good at planning, got to org- be good at organisation. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. got to be confident, um, and because it builds <clears throat> confidence, because um, you have to be confident because you're on your own in effect to a point. Yeah, yeah. Um, albeit, uh, you know, I, I did. Uh, I, I'm not the greatest person for not for not having creature comforts. So <laughs> I have to say, I did splash out at numerous <laughs> points in the journey for in hotels and what have you. So uh, yeah. I did it the easy way, uh, not really the hard way in truth. Okay. So then I came back and uh, I, I then became a customer services director for um, the Cordwell Group, a mobile services phone company, one of the biggest independent companies in the, in the, in the UK. Yeah. Um, John Cordwell is the, uh, the billionaire who runs that, and I'm sure a number of your listeners will have come across John in, in various uh, press Yeah, so I remember seeing his um, search for a... Search for a, a member of his management team on TV. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So um, <clears throat> that, that was when I really got into customer services and uh, back into, if you like, corporate life. Mm-hmm. So it was whilst I was there that I really started to uh, really get really get interested in the whole area of success, particularly looking at how John Cordwell had, in effect, within the 15-year period, gone from a second-hand car salesman in Stoke to <laughs> being worth 980 million at the last count. And that just fascinated me in terms of what he'd done, how he'd done it. And it was really there. I, I was really starting to think about um, how people become successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, interesting. 
so obviously over the over the period of time that you know you've you've looked into the subject and and i know um experts online tv continues that exploration if you like of of what m motivates and inspires people to succeed like uh, john caldwell um you you you've put together a, a kind of 12 key elements that that in in your view uh, create success particularly for the entrepreneurial what do you reckon are the the most important of those or is it the whole package that is the essential i think it's the whole package i mean what was interesting was that in terms of the background to this was that um because I was intrigued by this whole success question, I decided to go out and interview as many high-profile people and general uh, experts in their fields as I could mm -hmm. in order to try and determine um, you know, what the pattern was or, or what the system was that they were using. Yeah. Um, and um, I think the difference that... I mean, that's nothing unusual about that. But perhaps the difference was I decided to actually film these interviews. Mm -hmm. And then I decided, well, if I'm going to film them, the internet's growing like crazy. Broadband was clearly de uh, developing as well. So yeah. I thought, well, why not put these interviews onto the internet for the everybody in the world to to watch and listen to and experience for themselves? Yeah. Um, but obviously, as part of that process, um, I was digging around and looking for patterns and looking for consistencies that seemed to come up time and time again. You know, whether it was Sir John Harvey Jones or Simon Woodruff and Nita Roddick and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so, as you quite rightly say, we, we came up with, the, in effect, what were the 12 components. Um, I think uh, looking at it from both the interviews that we did and from my own experiences in my career, um, I think all 12 components are absolutely critical to um, success over time. Yeah. Um, in the first component, it starts off with motivation. Uh, if there is one, perhaps one of the most important, it's probably that first component, which is the motivation. Yeah, yeah. And the reason for that is that uh, many, many people uh, will say they'll do things, but they never carry them through. Mm -hmm. uh, if we went into the pubs and clubs uh, around the UK on Saturday night and uh, found out how many people were going to start businesses and, <laughs> and how many do, there's a yeah. very, very big difference. Yeah. Yeah, and fundamentally, the reason for that is the quite simply the strength of motivation to see it through. Um, and motivation to start is one thing, but uh, certainly I found, and I'm sure it's it it falls into the the pattern that you've you've identified. One of the hardest elements is maintaining that motivation once you've started. I think I think very often people are very enthusiastic to start their, and run their own business, but it's when when you you start coming up against um, the inevitable. Um, ups and downs of uh, entrepreneurial life that your motivation needs to be at its at its peak very very much so yes um, the interesting thing though that is if your initial motivation is strong enough then it kind of gives you at least a, a fighting chance yeah absolutely but then throughout the whole process lot all the entrepreneurs without exception came up with this uh, this 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 uh, thing about persistence yeah. You know, and a number of them called it, uh, Sahar Hashemi, who set up Coffee Re Republic, talks about it as the persistence test. Mm -hmm. And you're tested in that persistence test yeah. throughout the whole process. Yeah. Uh, but if your motivation, your core motivation to get to the end is strong enough, you will then see it through and you will uh, somehow find the strength to overcome those barriers and those issues and those challenges. Absolutely. Now... Uh, 
sorry, Phil. One of the things that um, that interests me is in terms of motivation. What what exactly is the motivation? Is the motivation the same for all entrepreneurs? Is it to make a lot of money? Is it to uh, sort of a personal sense of achievement? Is it um, uh, profile and kudos? What what is the motivation, or is it a combination of things? It's a combination. But when I started the process of interviewing these people, I made the assumption, I should never assume anything, <laughs> but I made the assumption that it would be the, the 60-foot yacht in Monaco, yeah, the Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't at all that. Mm, mm. Um, there were two things that were driving people fundamentally. Um, one was the freedom to choose. It was huge. Yeah. Um, and I know myself, and, and maybe even you can relate to this, yeah. is that that freedom to choose is sometimes is a bigger driver in some people than others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can be in corporate life. You do, frankly, no matter what anybody says, there are times in your corporate career where, where you are arguably bullied. There are times in your corporate career where politics are driving everything mm -hmm. rather than the, what is the, in the best interest of the organisation. Yeah. And I'm sure that a number of your viewers, uh, your uh, listeners, are actually nodding away there. Yeah, um, I imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. So um, freedom to choose was huge, absolutely huge. Um, and um, Anita Roddick was one of the uh, people you interviewed, and, and she said something quite interesting on the subject of freedom. Entrepreneurship is about freedom, about the obsession of being free, about being master or mistress of your own you know, life and your own identity. A, a, you know, attached to that, a huge work ethic, which immigrant cultures have. You know, my parents were you know, Italian economic immigrants, and we... There was no, life was no more complicated than love and work. And you worked from 10 years old, working in our mum's calf and so on and so forth. So, uh, Phil, what were the other areas that, that were significant? The, the other area was, uh, was fear. And, and their drivers were not 60-foot yachts. Their drivers were survival. Mm -hmm. But what was interesting is that their motivation, once survival was covered, in other words, their financial security was, was looked after, Yeah then um, lots of other things started to come into, into the equation. You know, then it was about making a difference. Mm -hmm. Then it was about changing the world. Yeah. So once their physiological needs were looked after and yeah. met, i.e. Yeah. they had a roof over their head and food in their mouth, yeah. and children were, were clothed, then all of a sudden then the motivation for um, uh, more psychological and spiritual issues would increase significantly. Now, I know one of your interviews, Simon Woodruff from Yosushi, uh, said something quite extraordinary about uh, fear as being a, a motivating force. So, so here's Simon. Well, first of all, I think that, um, I think that making a million pounds isn't difficult at all. Um, I think making five million pounds is difficult, but making a million pounds isn't that difficult. I think pretty much anybody's got the capability of doing it. I think you've got to be desperate, though. You know, and that you've got to just sacrifice everything, li literally, I would say, um, and be prepared to do whatever it takes and obsessed with getting it done and all of that. And if you've got that kind of desperation, so you need to kind of uh, put yourself right on the line. You know, I don't think that as human beings we do really difficult things out of the desire for great pleasure. You know, we do it out of the fear of great pain. So if you're in a war, you don't go and kill a, you know, machine gun nest because you might get the medal at the end. You do it because if you don't, you know, the whole thing's going to fall apart and you feel this weight of responsibility and all of that. Okay, so 
obviously you you feel have set up experts online tv uh, an online business primarily do you have any advice for for others out there who are looking to uh, to set up a business that is primarily focused or in part focused on um, generating revenue through the internet well it was maybe if we had two hours i could yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. I know it's a big that. subject, but uh. exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, the, I've not yet found the magic wand. I'm still looking. Yeah. But fundamentally, um, I think the the key to it is number one. Um, we actually uh, adopted the wheel of fortune uh, as a means of, of driving this forward. Because if the wheel of fortune is a process that people use to become more successful, and we talk about it, and we actually train it in actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then um, you have to kind of, you know, you should be using, you know, walking the talk and using your own process. Um, I think what's very interesting, and, and this has been a process over the last 12 months, is the cycle psychology around the internet is very, very different than offline. Yep. And what I mean by that is that. Um, People are very reluctant to pay for things, as a general rule, on the Internet, mm. mainly mm. because over time their psychology, the psychological elements of it, have developed as a free entity, a free access to information. Mm-hmm. So people are almost immediately in the whole area of free. The yep. they, they click on their, uh, their ISP to connect. Um, What's also very interesting is that um, people are used to paying things for things much more that are tangible. So yeah. um, whilst they'll go out and buy a book for £10 and think nothing of it, if you ask for a £10 subscription, for example, on the internet, even if that £10 is probably, in truth, probably worth £400, mm, mm. the psychology of it is such that I'm not getting anything in my hand, therefore it's not got the same value. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing I've certainly noticed about the internet more than ever is the, the fact that people expect it to be free, which is why if you're not actually selling tangible product as such that mm-hmm. people are familiar with, like a, uh, Amazon might sell books and DVDs yeah. and so on, yeah. um, then you always have to look at ways that you can clearly demonstrate the value, even to the point where it might be that you need to look at selling the product and give away the online service on the back of it. Mm, mm, uh, and that's yeah. mainly down to the psychology element of it. Yeah, I think the other massive change that's taking place at the moment is that people are being bombarded now uh, with information through the internet, particularly through um, email. Yes. Um, <clears throat> most people will, will, will tell you that when they go away on holiday and they come back, they've got 365 emails sitting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe only 10% of that is spam with the spam filters nowadays. Yeah. So therefore, um, actually getting your message out in the marketing side is much, much more challenging and much more difficult than you ever envisage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we've actually had people who we've been perhaps promoting the site to for a number of months who just not taking a blind bit of notice because they've got other things in their lives they're busy yeah and then eventually for some reason they suddenly decide three months later that they'll have a go at it and then we get an email back saying this is absolutely wonderful i wish i had something up <laughs> yeah. three, three months ago yeah now yeah. the site hasn't changed the experience yeah. hasn't changed yeah uh, the only difference is that the, 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 the individual has had the motivation in effect to uh, perhaps a bit of space in their life just to give it a go or give it a try 
And can you create that motivation to, to, to purchase online? Or do you, do you have to settle for the fact that you, you know, you're potentially reaching a vast audience and you have to uh, let word of mouth, online word of mouth, do its job and you know, allow people to come to their own decisions in their own time? Yes, very much so. You, you, have to, you have to allow people to come to their own decisions at their own time. The issue really is around creating, uh, cr- creating compelling content. And yeah. that's what the holy grail is of the internet, in effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's creating compelling content that, that draws people in, that, that means that pe- very, very busy people, and we all are, yeah. uh, prepared to just give it that five or ten minutes of time every day or every week to get yeah. access to that compelling content. Yeah. So compelling content is very, very important. And then where you can create an interesting story around that content, mm-hmm. that's when people will tell other people about it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So um, uh, if, if, I, if I said to you, for example, if we did a, an interview on our site with um, a spitting image puppet of Jordan, and watch this space, <laughs> you never know. Um, You'd get the wrong might... kind of punters, I think, <laughs> Phil, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, absolutely, uh, or the right type. It depends, I guess. It depends yeah. on who's prepared to admit it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but um, I think that uh, just on that con- in that context, if you do that, then it's interesting, it's funny, it's amusing. And yeah. therefore, whilst they might never have told somebody that they'd watched an interview with Sir John Harvey Jones or Rosie yeah, Conley, that's true. The fact yeah. that they've, they've they've seen this thing that's funny, amusing, and and topical, uh, then they'll more much more likely then tell a friend who's tell a friend and tell a friend. Yeah, I think we're back to purple cows somewhere along the line here. <laughs> yes, and and uh, you know all small businesses are very very heavily reliant on that word of mouth. Yes, because none of us unfortunately have. Um, the millions of pounds that corporates, in my view, waste, I have to say, on yeah. advertising. Yeah. So therefore, you have to be creative and um, always be looking for ideas that allow you to get the maximum amount of marketing and PR, but yeah. obviously at the minimum amount of, uh, of cost. Okay, great stuff. Now, just briefly, because we're, we're running out of time here, where do, you, where do you see experts online TV in 12 months? Well, we're quite excited, really, about the, the future for experts online. I mean, first of all, we'll be spending more money on formal marketing, which we've not done to date. We've very much relied on word of mouth, which has been fantastically successful, but there comes a time when you have to up the ante. Yeah. But we're, we're, going, to be, um, we're going to be doing more mini-documentary-style content, so rather than just head-and-shoulders interviews, we'll mm-hmm. get into you know, a head-to-head between two major, on a stage with perhaps two major entrepreneurs or two yeah, yeah. major high-profile people. Yeah. Um, we're also going to be utilizing the technologies to produce live webinars. I don't like that term, but it's probably <laughs> just about best describes it, yeah. where you actually have somebody who's online um, and people pay a fee to actually see the person online and ask questions online okay. during that half-an-hour session. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're introducing literally next week a forum uh, which will um, allow people to actually communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to date, we've, uh, the, the, our registered user base have tended to be able to provide, uh, receive our content but not really comment on it or not really debate it with each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll be adding that in, so we'll have a, an interview with, say, um, Stelios, um, and then we'll invite people to comment on the interview or debate what he said yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I know from my experience on Small Biz Pod, and that's w- definitely one of the uh, 
the great things about the inter- about the internet um, is that if you do allow an opportunity for listeners or, or viewers to uh, to feedback, um, the feedback is tremendous, and you can open up quite rapidly some quite interesting debates, which not only in, inform the content that you're you're broadcasting or podcasting in my instance, but also um, provide some useful insight to other uh, listeners or viewers. I think. Yes, and that's exactly what happens. And, and in effect, the you know the the ideal outcome is that you end up building more of a community. Yeah. Absolutely. Because we know yeah. that our registered users are interested in getting on in life. Yeah. Um, because if they, if they weren't interested in getting on and being better at what they do and more successful, they, they wouldn't register for a site like ours. Yeah. And then ultimately, we are, we're talking to people in the U.S. at the moment and Singapore about doing a, a, a U.S. version and a Far East version of the site. And I guess my, my ultimate vision is that um, Rome wasn't built in a day is that one day Experts Online will be the place on the internet that people come for, for ideas or information or insights or inspiration yeah. to be better at yeah. whatever it is that they decide they want to be better at. Okay. Um, Philip Croshaw uh, from Experts Online, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Now, I've managed to extract from Phil um, a free VIP pass for any Small Biz Pod listeners who'd like to check out Experts Online TV. I think it really complements Small Biz Pod uh, very well, and uh, I'm sure you guys would find it interesting. The VIP pass is www.expertsonline.tv forward slash VIP, and you can uh, check out all the interviews there. For free, uh, I think normally the, the annual subscri- subscription is £70, so uh, do check it out, well worth looking into. Now, uh, very much coming to the end of the show now, uh, do please contact me at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk with your usual comments, uh, very, very much appreciate those. Uh, also, if you want to submit an audio comment, I'd be very happy to play one of those on the show too so don't be shy do record yourself send it across uh, anything up to five megabytes will be fine in terms of file size so musical choice i'm really feeling in a bit of a drum and bass mood and here is a great little drum and bass tune from a band or artist called uh, tulse i think is how you'd pronounce it and the track is called crack